0: Welcome to Our Changing State, the podcast. I'm Matthew Petty, host of Florida Matters on WUSF 89.7. For this podcast, we're taking a deep dive into topics that seem to be changing by the minute, from the environment and the economy to our politics and culture. For decades, people have been drawn to Florida by the warm weather, the beaches, theme parks and lack of state income tax. But in the past few years, Florida's booming population has shifted those changes into overdrive. Our reporting for this podcast included an online survey where we asked people like you to share your take on the state we call home. Well, that's right, you and your neighbors drive the conversation we're having with residents and topic experts. Thanks for being here. We hope that we all learn a little more about our changing state in the process. Today, we're turning to Florida's cultural history, how we see ourselves, and how the rest of the world sees us, and how that's changing. Community members said they like the diversity and the infusion of new cultures, old and new, and how the natural environment is an integral part of our identity. And we heard your concerns about the recent culture wars and how it and the impact of rapid change on Florida's different communities could be creating new tensions. We'll put those questions and concerns to our expert panel later in the show. First, though, we visit Tampa's historic Ybor City neighbourhood. WUSF's Denora Prevost met with Ormond Derek outside a coffee shop on bustling East 7th Avenue, the thoroughfare lined with the area's iconic archway lights. They talked about Derek's childhood in Ybor City, a move to rural Pasco County, and how the 25 year old has seen both neighborhoods change.
1: So, just tell me about what it was like to, to grow up here. Um, growing up here, it was different difference probably the best word to describe it and you could say that for about a lot of places in Florida but Tampa is kind of a special spot that we have where you know 20 minutes from St. Pete we have the huge Cuban influences, the German influences, Spanish, Irish influences. Every immigrant really has passed through and come to Ebor and made it what it is. But what made it so special was just the sense of community and the sense of kind of just acceptance that was here, um, regardless of who you were. Because it's the immigrant district. It's where everyone came to find a new home. And that really transcended generations, even from the you know, the original generations that first migrated here. Um, you know, the Cuban immigrants in the late 1890s, early 1900s, from the first wave of Cuban migration up until now and people coming here. I lived here. Well, when I was born in 1998 until about 2010, I believe is when my family moved. We moved out to Dade City because after the housing uh, crisis in 2008, we unfortunately or some of the victims of that and were saddled with mortgages we couldn't afford long story short we moved out also because of just kind of the the neighborhood and the crime and things like that we wanted to get to more of a safer place because this Board city wasn't always like the fun party you know nice place that it is now it was always a great neighborhood always a nice place but it was a little bit rough around the edges But even after we moved, my family still, the rest of my family still remained here. So, you know, I would spend every weekend here with my abuelita at her house up the street. Um, I would come visit my tias, or I would go visit my bisabuelita, my great-grandmother who lived in Gibsonton. So like from here, 15 minutes away it was kind of hard you know my parents my family always had a car so we were able to move around pretty frequently but as a kid you know you could only go so far you could only take the bus so far because it really didn't go many places but I mean even growing up then it was kind of a different sense of community not so much different in the the whole idea but it was just um, you know different people different vibes I grew up kind of on the era of Hillsborough Nebraska, so um, out there, you know, we would always go to the swap meet, the old Joyland Drive-In Theater. We would go there. Um, The old Publix on Nebraska Avenue, like one of the original Publixes. that was our, like, family grocery store we'd always go to. And then the Nebraska Mini Mart, which is now some restaurant, I think, still called the Nebraska Mini Mart. It actually used to just be a Mini Mart. And there's, um, I can't remember his name, but a really nice um, old, you know, immigrant, guy who ran the shop and would always give me and my sister lollipops when me and my dad uh, would go get like you know a gallon of milk or just some eggs or anything we might need from like the corner store yeah. down there but it was just a sense of community you know a community that exists here in Ybor but um, you know in a different sense as all of Tampa does we all looked out for each other. Do you feel like that sense of community is still here in, the, in over 10 years since 10 you moved away? Yeah, um, I think it still is here, and I still come back to Ebor all the time. My family's still here, so I've, I'm here all the time, um, and I think there'll always be the sense of community in Ebor, but I feel it's definitely been changing a lot with gentrification, all the housing develops developments, and you can even see it on the streets of Ybor. Like One thing I've noticed personally as growing up as a kid is there seems to be a lot more homeless people lately just on the streets. I think about it as they just have nowhere else to go. Do you miss, like, the Dade City area at all? Yeah, I do. I still have friends. One of my best friends, actually, I met in high school. Their family still lives out there, and my mom still lives out there. Um, So I go out there pretty frequently, and it's nice to get away. It's nice, kind of that small-town vibe. But even then, like, it's crazy to see so much of Florida is changing, even Dade City is. Like, I I didn't realize how many people are moving to Dade City. If you look around, just how much even the roads are changing. Like, it used to be a little two-lane highway. And now it's you know, turning into four, six, you know, plus lanes of just giant subdivisions and all the forest and the the, the natural landscape is being torn down to build all these houses. And and, and it's really crazy to see because when I moved to Dade City, no one knew about it. It was still, you know, this little small country, old Florida town. And so much of it is changing. Honestly, it's a little bit scary. And I it makes me kind of sad. Um, I welcome the change because... If you've known anything about Florida, if you're a native-born Floridian or you have become a Floridian just by moving here and embracing what Florida is you know Florida has changed that's the only thing constant about Florida is change whether a hurricane is coming to chase us down and wipe us out or if it's you know another subdivision popping up down you but I welcome people come to Florida my favorite thing is my bringing my friends from out of state from out of the country that just see Florida through the news and the wild lens of the place I live and showing them the real Florida and how it is to be here and opening their eyes to that and I want everyone to have that experience and live in this beautiful wonderful place or at least visit and you know, be have that experience. But the way that we're being built that or the way that it's being built and the way that it's being done is just so unsustainable and just not not good for Florida, not good for the people, not good for the environment, not good for anyone except maybe land developers. And also the people as well, you know, I feel very strongly. Again, I, I, I love the people coming to Florida. I want them to come to Florida. But, you know, I just want them to respect it and understand that, you know, this is a place that people live before them. And a lot of people that want to live here that are from here can't live here anymore.
0: If you'd like to hear an extended version of each episode of Our Changing State, or if you'd like to listen to archived episodes of our weekly show, Florida Matters, visit our website, WUSFnews.org. In this episode of Our Changing State, we're exploring the evolution of Florida's cultural history. So let's put the comments and questions you submitted on culture to our expert panel. Well, William Gravely is a long-time St. Petersburg resident and business owner. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Also joined by Dr. Sarah McNamara. She is an assistant professor of history at Texas A&M University and the author of Ybor City Crucible of the Latina South, which was just published this year. Dr. McNamara, thank you so much.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: And Joanna Robotham is the curator of modern and contemporary art at the Tampa Museum of Art. Joanna, thank you as well.
3: Thank you so much. Pleasure.
0: So many of the people we talked to in the community in Tampa Bay in our reporting for this series, comments and questions we got from our listeners, they had things to say about the influx of new people to the state. I want to first play a little bit of tape from a conversation I had recently with the University of South Florida Professor of History Emeritus Gary Mormino. He spoke via Zoom about the impact of population growth on culture. Let's take a listen. I think in
4: 1940, there was something like an 8 million... Population gap between New York and Florida. Florida was the smallest state in the American South on the eve of World War II, it's smaller than Arkansas. You think historians are having this discussion in Arkansas today about growth problems and cultural problems? Uh, perhaps uh, it is a national phenomenon. There. But so, so one is just the sheer population pressures of places that didn't even exist 40 years ago Port
0: St. Lucie, Cape Coral. So let me put this question to you. When you think about Florida's culture, what do you think of? Joanna, what, what goes through your mind when you think about Florida's culture?
3: You know, I consider myself still a relative newcomer to the state. I moved here from New York City about uh, seven and a half years ago. And so I've been really privy to see these changes, um, in particular in the arts and culture sector. And Florida culture is incredibly vibrant. It is complicated. It's complicated. And it is something that I think is completely under the radar. The artists that come from the state, I think, have been largely perhaps not as acknowledged as widely as other artists, even in the South. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly um, any time you go outside of a major art center, I think people seem to think that the arts don't thrive. But I think that we have been able to show that the arts do thrive here in Florida.
0: Did you know that before you moved here or did that catch you a little bit by surprise?
3: It caught me a bit by surprise. I mean, Miami has already had a little bit of a growing legacy. Sure. Given all of the art fairs that happened in December and the rise of, you know, the galleries there, the various
2: museums.
0: Sarah, what about you? What do you think about when you think about Florida culture?
2: So I'm a historian and I think historically about these things and I am struck frequently by how people think about the state, right? We imagine it in many ways as the South's playground, right? It's a place where you go to the beach. It's a place where you can go have natural vacations, right? The natural component of what Florida is, it becomes this tourist destination, right? A place where you can go to Disney World. But the way that I write about Florida is very much asking us to ground ourselves in the history of the state, the way that Gary was alluding to it in the soundbite you played, Mm -hmm. and what that means about how the state is constructed. So Florida, in and of itself, it's important to remember that it is a southern state. It was a state that was built by the labor of enslaved people. It did have a long history of Jim Crow um, established racial division, and upon those things, it creates an environment where Florida's incredibly diverse population has to figure out where it fits within this. Florida very often, right, the Florida that is sold is a Florida that doesn't involve those complications. But we imagine Florida as just like tropical paradise, but the reality is that it's much more complex. Mm -hmm. So when we look at things that are happening today, especially in the political landscape or within the cultural landscape, what we're really seeing is the Florida that has long existed, that is in conflict with the Florida that people imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. William, what's your take on Florida culture?
5: Florida culture is very um, diverse in terms of culture, social, economic status, all of the things that um, Dr. Mac- McNamara just uh, just alluded to uh, are very, very true, uh, and they're still. A big social economic divide, and I'm witnessing it uh, for myself in St. Petersburg in terms of the um, gentrification of our neighborhoods. All of the poor and homeless people have been pushed out of downtown because of all the high rises. There's been little or no uh, infrastructure or any kind to any kind of thing to help those who are struggling. People are being totally priced out of anywhere to live. Now on the other side. I think that Florida is a, is a wonderful, diverse society that has much to offer um, anyone who comes. But it is, it's much harder for people who are starting from the bottom um, to ever get off the bottom because mm. there's, there's, really, there's, there's no help for them.
0: Let me read a comment from one of our listeners, Sharon Henry in Tampa. She had this to say about culture. Tampa has a vibrant culture with many different groups, LGBTQ, Hispanics, the elderly. Ybor City is a treasure. I feel that as more people come to the state, we are becoming more homogenized. I lived in St. Pete for 20 years before moving to Tampa in 2009, and I see this happening in St. Pete. Uh, Sarah, I wonder if we could just talk a little bit about the ethnic breakdown of the region, and just some numbers for context. There are about 3.2 million people living in the Tampa, St. Petersburg, Clearwater metro another 2 million or so in surrounding counties and in the six largest counties the hispanic population ranges from 10 to 31% while the black population ranges from 8 to 19% so that's kind of a snapshot of where we are in this part of florida but when you think about that idea of homogeneity and, and things becoming kind of more homogenous what do you think is that is that is there some truth in that
2: right so i would Ask the listener to look around where she lives and to think, if I walk outside of this neighborhood, what does this look like? One of the interesting things about Ebor City is that it kind of falls into this. There's the Ebor that people can imagine that it was, right? This place where you can go to the Columbia restaurant or you can go to the new Italian restaurant, Santo Stefano, that's down there. Hmm. But if you walk outside of 7th Avenue, Ybor City is, at its heart, a black community now, right? It is one of the areas where there is affordable housing, but it is also a place that was once a Latinx community, and that shift wasn't a comfortable thing that happened, and still there is much resistance over whose legacy owns this area and what does memory look like. So I wouldn't say that we are in any way homogenizing. I think looking at Florida, looking at demographics as they are, Florida is one of the most ethnically and nationally and racially diverse states in the U.S. South. That's something that makes it different than other states in the southern region, especially where there is a majority white or black Mm -hmm. population with a smaller Asian subset or where there has been a recent Latinx increase. I would push against the idea of homogeneity and ask the listener, you know, to go in different areas and walk outside of what feels most comfortable to them.
0: I want to also just play another soundbite from Gary Mormino, who had this observation about culture in Florida. Let's take a quick listen.
4: Culture is political in Florida, be it relationship with Cuba, slave heritage, homelessness, uh, etc. I mean, you just go on. Florida is kind of a touchstone to America today. Every issue that's a hot issue in America either begins in Florida or it's defined in Florida. Immigration has been an issue for for decades and decades, and and you can just go on and on. Uh, and, and Florida
0: is a major player. William, when you think about the Florida that you knew growing up, and then compare that to what we are now, what do you what do you think? And I wonder if you sort of see an increase in people being uh, judgmental or, or less accepting. Like, how do you think that culture has changed?
5: Having lived here for most of my life, I see and feel the changes in the temperature, the 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 just just how so many things have, have changed. And now with the with the increase of the population and all of these people moving from other places who think that $1,800 a month for a studio apartment is a bargain, that's a problem when most people here still let make less than $20 an hour. Hmm. You know, we're just getting, like I had a conversation with my nephew and, and one of his friends the other day. They said, yeah, we're making more money, but it costs so much more to live. We're still just breaking even. And then also, I mean, when we talk about culture, I think particularly because we're in a a present state of so many culture wars being fought, I'm kind of with Dr. McNamara. If people would come out of their four walls and get to know some people. And and I just see Florida as, on one hand, we're we're diverse and people don't know how to get along. But on the other hand, I think if we start taking more attitude to be nice and be courteous and be kind and to get to know other people, Hmm. it will be so much better.
0: Sarah, I wanted to come back to Gary Mormino's point about culture being political. What, what's your take on that?
2: I 100% agree with Gary. The more divergent, right, that things become, there is a subsect of the population that will align with the, the rhetoric that we oftentimes hear is as though there was a time when everything was easy for everyone or when everything was really simple. And the people for whom something was simple, there's generally a large portion of the population for whom it was not simple. Right, So the laws, the emergence of things like culture wars or denying COVID or pushing against public health, right, there are certain people for whom that is beneficial. And then there is a broad majority for whom it is not. The difference is it's how it's able to be politicized and how it is able to bifurcate a population. The difficult thing is that there can be a broad swath of people who are like, you know, I agree with this, but I don't agree with that, where it isn't necessarily as simple. Many of the shifts that occur or the environment that we see right now, it will take meaningful collective mobilization to undo because many things have been done legally and they have been done structurally. And those are shifts that we have to come to terms with and figure out where does community say right? This isn't necessarily who we are, right? This is a who a certain subsect is mm-hmm. and how to make that operate. Doing that means all of us having a moment where we sit down and we reckon with the current moment that we're in and think, how do we get to the place where, when you're walking down the street, right, and you're in the midst of June, where there are ample pride parades, right, that is a part of the community where there are, you know, drag shows are a part of the landscape of Florida and long have been a place where that is, where black communities can access affordable housing the way that William's talking about. All of that has a place here, but it just means thinking about Florida beyond the headlines.
0: Hmm. Joanna, uh, let me ask you, I mean, what do you think is possible? How are you going to see the Florida that that you love Kind of embodied in the in the culture we take forward from here.
3: There is so much more to Florida than just say beautiful, you know, utopian landscapes. That the arts here are complex. The artists at work here are incredibly smart and talented, and their work is worthy of national, international attention.
0: We have been speaking with Dr. Sarah McNamara, Assistant Professor of History at Texas A and M University, and author of Ebor City: Crucible of the Latina South*. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Also joining us today, William Gravely, longtime St. Petersburg resident and business owner and educator. William, thank you so much. Thank you for having me here. And Joanna Robotham, curator of modern and contemporary art at the Tampa Museum of Art. Joanna, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Our Changing State. Find more details about this series from WUSF Public Media, including photos of the people we're meeting across the Tampa Bay region on our website, WUSFnews.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also stream our weekly show, Florida Matters, every Tuesday at WUSFnews.org. Our producer and reporter for this episode is DeNora Prevost. Our podcast producer is Scott Wachtler. We also received support for this week's episode from engineer Jackson Harp, digital editor Carl Lishandrello, and news director Mary Shedden. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.